This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. It's uh, time to take a look at the numbers with the uh, capable assistance of Professor Kevin Milligan from the Department of Economics at UBC. Professor Milligan has advised the Department of Finance on tax measures in the past, and taxes seem to be a big part of this $1.5 billion surplus announced yesterday by Finance Minister Carol James. For a look inside the numbers, uh, Kevin Milligan joins us now from UBC. Good morning. Good morning, Sterling. How are you? I am well, thank you, Kevin. It's a pleasure to speak to you. Uh, taxes. Now, the Liberals, of course, this morning, in in a reply to yesterday's statement, are uh, talking about failed tax policies and the primary source of revenue for this surplus being the pockets of taxpayers. You would expect nothing less. How true are those remarks, though, Kevin? It is certainly true that the surplus is driven by extra tax revenue, but mostly that is coming not from higher tax rates on regular folks. It's coming from the fact that the economy is booming and the tax structure applied to that booming economy is filling up government coffers. And I suppose the federal government coffers are a part of this because, indeed, as I understand the numbers, Kevin, and you get inside them faster and deeper than I do, but some of this largesse is due to federal transfer payments in the first half of the year. Now, there, you know, federal transfer payments do play a role in provincial government finances, but there's not been a big increase. Uh, that's not what's driving the surplus numbers. It is mostly driven by domestic here in bc booming economy that's just bringing in uh incomes for everyone across bc and also revenue for the government right now uh with respect to taxes though it is uh, quite reasonable to point out that since they have assumed office the ndp have indeed imposed several new taxes on the population specific sectors of course is this the source the primary source of the of the money that's not the source of the extra revenue. I mean, the biggest source of revenue is just the booming economy uh, with the uh, regular tax rates applied to it. Now, okay. where they have increased taxes is on people who are high earners, people who have million-dollar houses, and other people who are doing pretty well. What's interesting is that there were a lot of naysayers all over the place suggesting that that was going to strangle the economy. And what we can see is those tax measures have done anything but that. And, and, and how do you measure that just in terms of real estate transactions, values of homes coming off as they have been for the last 12 months? Yeah, the real estate sector certainly has been soft. But what's important to note is that, you know, that has not had a spillover effects to other parts of the economy, as many people feared, nor has, you know, cracking down on money laundering, nor has taxing higher earners a bit more. Those are things that some people suggested would be bad for the economy, and it turns out that the economy has survived those tax measures pretty well. Uh, the matter of money laundering, very interesting you would bring that up, because, of course, that was a very big part of uh, the the pitch to the way we're going to approach our financial management of the economy, uh, is to try and rid the economy of a lot of this money laundering. In terms of the real estate the sector, though, my homework, and you do better than I do, but my homework tells me that 
In all of this, over these years in which foreign investors have been, well, blamed shamelessly for the uh, the uh, bounds that the uh, values of homes have taken in our economy, and to be to be sure, there's it's, it's part of the case, but over 95% of real estate transactions in the last five years, Kevin, have been from British Columbian to another Canadian, usually a British Columbian. Yeah, when you look at the real estate activity, you know, the uh, that the revenues that come out of that have certainly dropped a bit from the property transfer tax and other measures. Right. But, you know, there's also been an increase in the uh, suite of tax measures that were brought in to try to tame the real estate market. And, you know, some of those, uh, uh, whether it's the empty houses tax or whether it's the uh, surtax on uh, higher uh, uh, assessed houses, those things... Uh, did have some impact on, you know, uh, 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 BCers and, and Canadian citizens as well. But what we can see is that those tax measures, while they have had some success in taming the real estate market, they have not brought down the broader economy. Well, exactly. The economy grew by 2.4% in the 2018 calendar year. That was the third highest in Canada. And uh, the wage growth was also close to uh, five, over 5%, salary growth at 5.9% last year. These are very positive numbers. And this is actually not a lot the government actually had actual finger on. This is just economic health that has provided tax revenues, perhaps unexpectedly so. Yeah, I mean, the unemployment rate lowest in Canada as well. Now, we, we want to be careful in not attributing, you know, the, the great success of the overall economy, you know, uh, is not necessarily caused by the measures that the government has put in place. Sure. What we can say is that those measures have not prevented uh, BCers and Canadians from doing well uh, with their choices. And I think an important thing going forward is to ask the question, what are we going to do with these tax revenues? Should we be thinking about middle-class tax cuts? Should we be thinking about expanding public sector compensation? What should we be doing with the surplus? That's a good question that we want to think about now. Or maybe now is the time to think about broader tax reform to make our system uh, efficient and and boost the economy for the future. How trusting are you of these numbers in the first place? We've seen governments of all political persuasions over the years fudge the numbers to their benefit. Uh, And uh, I'm wondering, particularly in in this case, Kevin, about ICBC, because while the the current government has taken measures to address the, what do they call the dumpster fire that that is ICBC, um, it's still going to lose over a billion dollars this year, which takes a little bit of the wind out of those uh, numbers sales, and they weren't really discussed at length in the statement yesterday by the minister. How do you figure that's going to shake out with a billion five surplus and ICBC losing a billion two? Really, if if you were just to take those numbers, the surplus only works out to 300 grand or 300 million, sorry. Right. Now, it's important to note that this release is the public accounts that have been signed off by the auditor. Right. So, you know, that, that does give us some confidence in the overall numbers. That said, when you think about the Crown Corporations, those are always places where, you know, you get into the weeds and you can find some, some messy stuff sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what's important is not just ICBC, but also BC Hydro. Uh, I've been encouraged to see that the government has been tackling those things head on. And if you look at the numbers, that's actually been allocating some of the surplus revenue is to using that money 
to buy some change with the way ICBC works and to buy some change with the way that BC Hydro works. I think we should pay attention on those big crown corporations because, as you said, those can lead to some weird accounting. I, you know, I, I think that there hasn't those funds, and, and I look forward to seeing if we can clean those things up soon. All right. Also, uh, quickly, I wanted to just get your take on the forestry sector. This, of course, uh, traditionally has been a, a deep, deep uh, source of tax revenue for governments uh, for decades. And now, of course, the forest sector does not represent the tax base that it once does. And now we're hearing about uh, restrictions in activity, uh, closing down of mills, uh, anticipating reduction in activity, which, of course, means a reduction in tax revenue. How do you see that going forward affecting the bottom line the forestry sector is of course a traditional large industry in bc and in large parts of the province it's still a very big employer so of course it's very important um we should also remember though that there's other sectors like the tech sector and other things that are absolutely booming and doing very well um so we shouldn't put too much emphasis on the forestry sector even though it is very important. Now, for there, I think a lot of measures are kind of out of the D.C. government's hands, and we're talking about softwood lumber. Sure. We're talking about, you know, negotiations with the Trump administration and trying to get a deal there. And I think we have to look to Ottawa for leadership on that front. And we haven't seen those issues been resolved yet, and I think that uh, all British Columbians should continue to ask our federal representatives what they're doing on that front, because we want our forestry sector unleashed to be able to export our great wood products around the world. And what's stopping that is the Trump administration, and what's stopping that is Ottawa not getting a deal for us. Yeah, good point, Kevin. And let's, uh, let's leave it uh, there with one final question to you, if you don't mind, sir, relating to your last point about international effects on local economies, in this case, British Columbia. How badly, if at all, has British Columbia been damaged or hurt by these international trade wars so far? It looks like the damage hasn't been, uh, you know, uh, holding us back so far. But, you know, uh, to the extent that uh, there's bigger tariff wars that go on between Canada or between the U.S. and China, that can have an impact. But also, we should think about the spillover of that is not necessarily all negative. For example, a lot of uh, exports that might have been coming from the U.S. are now coming from Canada, whether it's soybeans, whether it's something else, especially since not just the stuff to China, but also the Trans-Pacific Partnership, which President Trump pulled the United States out of in his first few uh, months in office. Right. Canada is in that with 11 or with, with 10 other Asia-Pacific countries, and that's been great for our economy and great going forward. And the more that Trump picks fights with everyone else, the better that makes us look. All right. Now, Professor, we're, we're going to throw the lines open to our listeners in just a few moments. We're, we're grading the economic performance of the government based on the finance minister's revelations yesterday. We're going to do old school, A through F. What grade would you give the B.C. government's economic management so far? Oh, you're, you're asking me that question, sir. I, I uh, am. I'm putting you, you know, on the spot here, Kevin. You know, I'm a professor, I give out grades, and I, I have to say that this looks like an A. If this isn't an A, I don't know what an A looks like. All right. Thank you very much for this. Appreciate your time this morning. Good to have you on the program. Okay, thank you very much. There's Kevin Milligan, professor of economics at UBC, who has given the Minister of Finance and her government an A for economic management of our economy.